Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We're not skipping the worship portion of our service today. That's actually going to come later. That's our favorite part of our service. Uh, but before we get started, I did want to mention something. Starting tonight and really leading up to Easter, can you believe it? Easter is next week. We're only one week away. Um, for the next seven days at 7 p.m., we're going to get on Facebook Live, and I want to encourage you to join us as we spend seven minutes discovering the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Okay, that's, that's a lot of sevens, right? Um, and that's Seven is actually in the Bible. It's God's number. It's a, it's, it's a number of completeness. It's a, a number of perfection, both physically and also spiritually. And so if you feel a little bit disconnected or maybe anxious or worried because of the news of the day, or if you just simply just want to reflect on what Christ has done for you, I want to invite you to join us every night, starting tonight at 7 p.m. On, on Facebook Live for seven minutes. And we're going to discover what Jesus said, the last seven things that Jesus said to us. They're powerful. And here's my encouragement to you. I want his final words, I want you to know that his final words are your new beginning. Picture this. It's Good Friday. The Son of God is giving up his life for you and for me. What does he want to say to us in his final hours? What does he tell the people that are standing at the foot of the cross to pass down to the, to the ages from one generation to the next? He only speaks seven statements. And I believe that they're strategic. I believe they're intentional. They're words of forgiveness, words of grace, and words of salvation, and the words that help us in our relationships with others. But there are also words of abandonment, distress, and difficulty. Seven statements that meant everything to him. And I believe that they will mean everything to us. I hope you can join us starting tonight at 7 p.m. So over the last few weeks, we've been doing this series based on uh, the book of Second Chronicles, actually chapter 20. It's just uh, three weeks. And um, if you have missed the last couple of weeks, I'm so glad that you have joined us today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And what we're learning is what we need to do in moments of difficulty. What do we do when the, when the storm comes? And so just so you know, if you're just coming in today, um, the nation of Israel is under attack. The enemy is marching towards Israel uh, they're coming from the east, they're coming from the south, they're coming from the, the west, and they're getting closer and closer to Israel. First week, we learned that we learned how to turn fear into faith. We learned how to turn all of our anxieties and our doubts and our questions and our worry into faith. The title of that message was Finding Our Faith in the Storm. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back. Go to our website, lifepointfc.com, and find our messages. They're on demand. You can listen to them. You can watch the message. Uh, I think that, that it'll help you and it will, it will add value to your life. The second week, we talked about what leaders do in the storm. How do we behave? What do we do when the storm comes our way? And then today, we're going to finish the chapter. And the title of our message today is this, Your Greatest Weapon in the Storm. In the storm. 
Like every nation that goes to war has some indispensable weapons. Like every nation before they go to war, like they have something, like sometimes they're secret weapons. Like for example, during World War One, a lot of nations would use machine guns. Why? Because they could sustain firepower of between 450 to 600 rounds per minute. And so this would allow uh, um, a, def a defender to cut down the attacking waves from the from enemy enemy troops. During World War II, um, the U.S. Navy carriers and the battleships that I mean they they get the glory for defeating Japan, but actually about 55% of the Japanese ships were sunk by our submarines. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so in, in the same way, we have this incredible weapon at our disposal. And like, if you know how to use it, your life will get so much better. We have this weapon that God's given us. And if we, if we find out how to deploy it, it's a game changer. And so second Chronicles chapter 20, God tells us what this weapon is so that we can make it through the storms of life and live a victorious life. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the weapon is because I want you to, I want you to, to, to figure it out on your own. But as we're reading, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, there's going to be a few clues here and there, but let's see if you can guess what this weapon that God wants us to know is all about. Okay. So we're going to be in second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. Again, Israel, the enemy's coming against them and the king, King Jehosh Jehoshaphat, I want you to see what he does. Okay. Verse 18, it says this, it says, then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Now it's a key phrase right there, worshiping the Lord. Okay. I'm not telling you what the weapon is just yet, but just keep that in mind. Now, do you, do you see what's going on here? Like, do you, can you capture the essence uh, and the intensity of what's going on? I mean, this huge army, actually it was multiple armies. They're marching towards Israel. They're taking ground. The king, along with the rest of the Israelites, are literally face to face on the ground. Now, sometimes when I read the Bible, I'll try to, I'll try to, Ask myself, how would this look like today? And I do that so that I can apply God's word into my life. I also do it so that when I'm teaching or I'm communicating, it can help you understand. And I was thinking, how would something like this happen in our world? And here's, here's what came to mind. Imagine that you're that there's a virus pretty much what, with what similar to what we're dealing with today. And this thing hasn't made it to our country just yet. It's out there, but it's definitely spreading all over the globe and it's spreading fast. And what we do, instead of do everything that we can do to stop the virus from coming into our country, instead what we do is we get on our knees to pray. I mean, that's to me, that's crazy. It would be like the doctor coming to you and saying, you have cancer. And you telling me, I'm not going to go for any treatment. I'm just going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. And now look, I'm a pastor. I'm a spiritual leader. But this verse, it does not make sense. The enemy's coming and the king is asking everybody to get on their face and pray. 
I mean, I, to me, that's just, it's, it's like somebody breaking into my house. Like I'm not, that's not going to be the time for me to pray, you know, and I guess maybe I'm not that spiritual. I don't know. But I mean, even the Bible says, you know, there's a, there's a time for peace. There's a time for war. And like that moment I can pray later. Right. But like in my mind, why is he not telling me, let's go fight and we can pray at the same time. Nope. None of that is happening. And so I'll be, I mean, I'm just being vulnerable with you. Verse 18 doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now look in verse 19, what happens? Then it says, then the Levites, these are the, the priests, basically the, the spiritual leaders from the clans of Kohath and Koran stood to pray. So everybody's bowing down on their faces, praying except for the, the spiritual leaders. They stand to praise. It says, they stood to praise the Lord. Here's another clue as to what the weapon is. Okay, let's see if you can figure it out. It says that the Levites had basically stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Look in verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat, that's the king, stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Now, this king, I, I would imagine what he's doing is he's He's, you know, getting the, all the, all the Israelites together and he's saying, you guys need to believe, you know, things are, we're going to make it through this time. And then you, you guys just hang in there. And he does it, you know, like, I, and I don't know if you think that the, that the weapon that we're talking, that we're going to be talking about today is prayer. It's not prayer. It's not faith. I agree. Those are great weapons that we should definitely be using, but those are not it. This king, instead, he just gathers everybody and he's saying, look, we're, we're going to make it through. Just believe. Now, in verse 21, we get our biggest clue. Let's see if you figure out what are the greatest weapon that we can use in the storm. It says this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. In fact, this king he knew that this weapon was so powerful that he's actually putting it ahead of the army. He's actually putting it ahead of the people that could potentially protect the, the, the spouses and the children. And it says this, he appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. You want to know what your greatest weapon is? In, in times of difficulty, when you're in the middle of a battle, when, when there's chaos all around you, your greatest weapon is to praise Jesus. Your greatest weapon is to praise now, this is not something that I'm coming up with. This is not something that, that I invented or that I'm trying to be creative. I mean, this is all over the Bible. If you look, if you if you research that word praise, what you're going to find out is that there's a ton, of, there's a ton of meaning behind it. Like for us, I know what you're thinking, praise, right? Like that's kind of like singing 
That's what we do in church. Like when we go to church, we just praise Jesus, praise the Lord. Like we get up and sing a few songs. Actually, in the Hebrew language, there are seven words for the equivalent of our one word praise in English. Seven words to define to that, that are so specific about our one word praise in the English language. I want to share with you just a few, okay? So let me give you like, we're not going to do an in-depth study because we don't have time for that, but I want to give you three, four, maybe five words uh, to help you understand the depth of this word praise. Because when I say praise, I don't want you to think that it's just singing, okay? One of the words is this word, uh, ha'al, ha'al, okay? And I think I'm saying it uh, the right way, uh, ha'al, to be clamorously foolish. That's what the word means. Ha'al means to be clamorously foolish. It means to make a, a loud, obnoxious noise. This is David. This is King David coming back from, from battle. The Bible says that he was praising the Lord and he was being loud. He was dancing. He was half naked. He's just being a little bit obnoxious. And he is just calling on the name of the Lord and thanking him with intensity. Psalm 18, verse 3. Listen to what it says. It says, I call on the Lord. Now picture a stadium full of people roaring and cheering for their team. Okay, this is not some like, oh Lord, thank you so much. I'm going to praise you. No, 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 no. These are people, they're, this is a, they're calling on the Lord with intensity. Now watch this. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. This is a loud shout. This is, one form of praise. There's another Psalm, Psalm 96, verse 4, that you can look at. Another word is the word yada, yada. It means to lift your hands. In Psalm, Psalm 90, uh, 99, verse 3, it talks about um, this, this idea of praising the Lord. And, you know, I often say when your body moves, sometimes when your body moves, your heart will follow. And we often think that, yeah, yeah, like if I feel it or if my heart is there, then I'll go. But sometimes it takes our minds telling our bodies to move and then the heart follows. Now listen to what Psalm chapter 9 verse 1 says. It says this, it's talking about lifting hands, right? I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your marvelous things you have done. Verse two, it says, I will praise you, Lord, with all, um, excuse me, I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And then verse three says, my enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. This has the idea, in fact, when you look up that word praise, it is always tied to you having victory over the enemy. When you praise the Lord, that word praise, it always it's always tied to you having victory over your battles. It's just, a, it's an incredible word. Another one is the word toda. And it means this. This is a very interesting word. It means to give thanks before you have received 
anything. So you're going to give thanks for something that you have not yet received. So for example, we're used to saying thank you. Like somebody gives you a gift you say thank you. Wow, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If you don't get a gift, you're not going to say thank you, right? Like if you don't get anything, you're like, you don't say thank you. Well, this one word is talking about giving God thanks before you have received anything. There's a lot of references for this one. Psalm 50 verse 23, Psalm 100 verse 4, Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 10 and 11. And basically this is you and I saying something like this, Lord, thank you for the healing that you will provide over my marriage. You know, things are tough, things are difficult. I just want to thank you ahead of time for the healing that you're going to provide over maybe an addiction that I'm dealing with. God, thank you for providing healing over that relationship. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your hours have been, um, you know, they've cut your hours. This is you saying, Lord, thank you because I believe that you're going to provide for me. You've always provided for my family. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say thank you ahead of time. Thank you for the obstacles that I'm dealing with right now. Because I know that this is just, this is just building me up. And one day I'm going to be able to face other circumstances in life that are much more difficult than these. But thank you, God, because you're making me a better person. Here's another word, the word Barak. It means to kneel. To prostrate this is what's happening right here in Second Chronicles. This is placing yourself in the right, like in the right position. This is you recognizing God, you are sovereign. I am not. And basically it means to kneel down. There's a lot of references there. Psalm 95 uh, verse 6, Psalm 72 verse 15, uh, Psalm 29 verse 11. Um, another word is the word Zamar. Zamar is more like what you and I know when we use the word praise. It literally, the literal meaning is to pluck the strings of an instrument. And he's talking about praising, like literally singing to the Lord. And so here, here's the point. Here's what I want you to get today. Your greatest weapon is to praise God. But praising God is much more than just Singing. We're not just talking about singing. So I don't want to just use that word praise and you think that we're talking about singing. The moment you praise God, and I'm talking about all seven of those words. I'm talking about, you know, just being uh, so thankful for the things that he has not given you. I'm talking about praising him in, 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 with intensity. I'm talking about getting on your knees and, and being thankful in that and, being, and praising him that way. When, when you, the moment you praise God, when you're in the middle of a storm, something happens. Something happens in your heart. Something happens in your mind. Something happens with the enemy. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. Watch this. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. At that very moment, the Lord caused the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. I have three takeaways for you. Three things that you can write down. Three things that you can apply today. Number one, it takes praise to defeat the enemy. 
Let me, let me, let me read this again. Verse 22. At the moment they began to sing and to give praise, what happens? The Lord, basically, there were three armies coming against Israel and the Lord, basically, they turn on each other. I mean, they, and I don't know exactly that, how that happened, but it happened the moment that they praised the Lord. Look in verse 20, 24. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemies had escaped. So the Israelites, they're marching toward the battlefield. They're praising God. And the other three armies, essentially, they turn on each other. It takes praise to defeat the enemy. If the enemy is attacking you with anxiety, if the enemy is attacking you with depression, Maybe it's worry or doubt or questions that you have or negative thinking. How are you going to defeat him? You're going to defeat him with praise. Here's the second takeaway. Your circumstances never unfold exactly the way you imagine. Do you know that? Your circumstances never unfold exactly the way you imagine. Look at verse 25. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Now, at the beginning of the story, three weeks ago when we were looking at it, this the enemies come in and Jehoshaphat, the king, he says, he praises, he's very vulnerable, he prays his prayer, he says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I love that because Jehoshaphat had no idea of what God was going to do. And what I love about him is that he didn't play the what if games. You know, never in his wildest dream did he think that the Lord would give him the victory the way that he did. And that he was going to spend the majority of his time not in battle, but actually collecting the plunder. He had no idea. And neither do you. You don't know what's going to happen. But you can praise God. And you can thank him ahead of time for the things that he's going to provide. Here's the last takeaway. There's always a blessing hidden in the storm. You know that? There's always a blessing hidden in the storm. Verse 26 says this. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised, there's our word, and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Verse 27. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Je Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. So what are you going to do when the enemy attacks? You're going to use your greatest weapon. That's praise. You're going to praise Jesus. Why? Because it takes praise to defeat the enemy. Because your circumstances will really never unfold exactly the way you imagine. 99% of the stuff that you play in your brain 
It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. All the what ifs, they're not going to be there. And last, you're going to praise him because there's always a blessing hidden in the storm. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray for our community. Before I do that, I want to, you know, last, I want to say this last week. I asked you to continue to support the ministry so we can continue to help people find their way to God. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, many of you, you stepped up big time and I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for continuing your support. Uh, LifePoint is a generous church. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're not an owner at LifePoint, I just want you to know um, that we believe that generosity generates goodness. And I can tell you, I love one of the reasons why I love my church is because of how generous you are. You know, one simple thing that we did, and this is just one of hundreds of things, is we were able to um, to help uh, our community. We had an anonymous um, LifePoint owner who donated these the N95 masks that are very much needed um, by our local doctors and nurses. And this person, he had some masks and um, about 50 of them. And so we were able to get in touch with another one of our owners at LifePoint and that's in the medical field. And I asked, hey, we have some N95 masks that we can uh, let you have. How many do you need? And I told her the number, we had 50. Uh, and, and she said immediately, uh, just give us as many as, as you can spare. We, I mean, we are desperate. This will be a huge help for our staff, for our doctor, doctors and our, uh, our nurses. And, you know, the beautiful thing is we're able to put them all together uh, along with a Max Lucado book on prayer. And what I love about our church, and that's just one, one little thing that I'm sharing with you. But what I love about our church is that we will do anything short of sin to reach people who do not know Jesus. So I'm super thankful for you guys. Please continue to share the, the word, share this link, and continue to contribute to the kingdom. Love you. Appreciate you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for, for this community. Father God, I pray for our leaders. I pray for all the people who are, uh, who are suffering, who have lost uh, loved ones. And God, I ask that you would that we would use this time to run to you, that we would use this time to, to recognize how fragile we are. And that God, people all over our community and all over our country would come together in faith and seek you. God, that they would look to you just like Jehoshaphat when he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God, may we, when we're in the middle of the storm, may we learn to praise you. In truth and heart, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.